Hello, San Francisco. Hello, Boston. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm very good. Good to hear from Great you. So, episode number one. The first one. Are you ready? I'm ready. Excellent. Excellent. So, first of all, let's do a check on the weather. How's the weather over there? Yeah, weather, weather here is overcast, foggy. Uh, there's definitely sunshine above the clouds, though. I'm sure of it. <laughs> yes. Well, same exact <laughs> here. It's overcloudy, it's raining, and uh, summer is not here yet, but can't wait. Um, yeah, same here. Yeah, same. excellent, excellent. So, so first topic, we both decided that we're going to go to the basics, go back to what is angel investing, why people do it, and then anything else we want to add. Perfect. Um, I think that's something that, that uh, we can always send our listeners back to, to this episode for some of the basics of why people do angel investing, what is it, what's the benefit, and it's an industry that's growing. It's, uh, how much is it now? It's 25 billion. 25 uh, billion is last I heard, yeah. 25 billion in angel investing, 300,000 angel investors, and 600 angel groups, roughly. That's right. Um, that's uh, U.S. and Canada, and um, and I wonder who who was the first angel investor in your opinion, ever. First angel investor had to be. Um, I'm going to say, really comes from uh, at least from the healthcare perspective, comes from the NIH. I think the National Institutes of Health has been priming. Uh, the, the market for a long time, and they've become a lot more translational in the past 10, 15 years. So in my opinion, I think the first angel investor really came from the public sector. So the government. Um, so, well, in, in my opinion, and yeah. some will, will debate me on that, um, but I do believe that you know <laughs> investments, uh, some of them impact investing, which we can define later, which means roads and infrastructure and electricity and internets and all these things uh, tied together with basic science, whether it's from space or from biotech or from national defense. All of these things have uh, fueled this economy uh, that we call entrepreneurship or innovation or however you want to describe it and has yeah, led the other, to the other area, the other kind of angel investing is friends and family, right? You have uh, True. Uh, parents, uncles, uh, neighbors who see you're doing something interesting in your garage and say, Hey, can I help? And that's uh, true. They don't really right. have uh, they would hope they'll make money, but, but the idea was that they're helping. So both the government and friends and family are, are helping people launch businesses. Um, That's very true. Um, and, and if you want to take this back to ancient times, we can talk about yeah. <laughs> historical yeah. angel investing. I've always wondered who's the first. Was it, what's the name? Uh, uh, Queen Catherine, who gave money to Christopher Columbus. I mean, that was a good uh, There you go. Good point. Yeah. And whether you're a creationist or a Darwinist, you might take a different approach to who was the actual original angel investor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Our talk right. show is called Angel Stock, and you can take it to however right. you want. However and, you want to interpret it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I guess <laughs> it, it evolved into an industry that's legitimate where people make investments with the idea that they'll, 
um, help entrepreneurs, but also make a return. That's the most, that's the more modern 20 year angel investment industry. I, I agree with you. Uh, and, and, and again, uh, some folks look at this strictly from a return on investment approach. Some want to do well while doing good. Uh, and some want to purely do good. And philanthropy, I think, is a separate category. It's not traditionally what we're calling angel investing. Um, but there yeah, is, a, really there is the dream of investing in the next Uber or making a huge return. And uh, whenever I'm giving a talk, I'm on, I'm on a panel, I always tell people, remember that there are two words. There's angel and there's investing. And it's mm -hmm. not venture investing, it's angel investing. So we're helping create jobs, uh, mm -hmm. help entrepreneurs realize their dreams. But in order to make it sustainable, you have to make money so you can reinvest. Agreed. So that's exciting. So it all starts with an entrepreneur that comes to... And then it comes to uh, either individual angels, right, or group, mm -hmm. uh, small funds. Uh, now we have this, this new exciting category that's called family offices, uh, basically yeah. super, super angels. Um, and, then, and then the entrepreneur gets, gets money in different forms and uh, grows their business, keeps going until one day there's that big, big word, the exit. The exit. The exit. We're right. all waiting for exits. <laughs> because it allows us to do it again. Yeah. It allows us to 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 come back in from what we've learned and uh, find new opportunities to invest. And that's and why the return on investment is so important. And that's why entrepreneurs have to keep that in mind. I call it entrepreneurial empathy. So entrepreneurs <laughs> should have some empathy and say, please feel with your investors. They need to make money so they can, right. number one, justify their investments. And number two, Very true. Uh, um, uh, recycle the, 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 the funds and, and pay it forward. And, um, Very true. Very true. So the, you know, yeah, I don't know if a lot of people really know the definition of your name, Ziad. Ziad. Oh, my first name. Ziad is your first name, yeah. and, it means and it comes investment. from <laughs> it comes from from the idea of something that is plentiful, something that is generous, something that is uh, flowing over, and I think I think therein lies um, lies some of the philosophy too, which is that we all want to make sure entrepreneurs succeed, uh, and at the same time, what we want, as you said, the empathy part of it is we want to have a win-win opportunity where both sides can do and well. And that's why and... sometimes the most fulfilling thing, which both of us do on a regular basis, is mentoring, where you're helping someone, you're not even making any money, but you're helping them move their process forward, gain time, and be closer to success. Absolutely. And, you're uh, totally on target. Uh, mentoring is one of the... People think it's a, it's a secret. It's not a secret. It's really... It's one of the fastest way for an entrepreneur to get to where they need to go. And frankly, it's also a very fast way for students to learn, for uh, investors to learn from one another. You ask for mentorship. You ask for, when you say, <coughs> can you help me with something? That is the fastest way for you to get from one point to another. And the right mentors. So this is a, yeah, this true. is a, 
a tip for all entrepreneurs, make sure you find the right mentor for you. Personality, industry, expertise. Um, otherwise, sometimes it's just a waste of time. So let me ask you this. There's something from the West Coast that came to us. And on the East Coast, we don't like it. It's called the safe. Oh, Did you goodness. guys invent the safe? <laughs> it's definitely a West Coast invention. It's like um, a, hippie, uh, a hippie tool to to make an investment, or they, they, these companies come to us and with the documents it's like, ah, yeah. this is a safe, and and most people yeah. are like, we don't invest in safes. So, so Ziad, I I, I want to answer that question um, with with two caveats, maybe three. I'll start with two. So the first caveat is um, it's important for entrepreneurs to definitely have good mentors at the table. One of the key mentor choices is your corporate counsel. And, oh. and I'm, not plugging, I'm not plugging anybody. I'm just saying corporate counsel should keep you plugged in not only to what is the appropriate legal construct for your company, but they should also be the ones who connect you with the ecosystem and hopefully, hopefully, if they're the right corporate counsel, keep you plugged into the economy, to the perspectives, to the attitude of investors. And I think a lot of companies don't get the right advice, whether they're East Coast or, or West Coast, and they end up being given um, constructs for financing that are not related to that are not appropriate economy. to what they're doing. However, right. I can test your your comment by saying okay. that sometimes lawyers execute what you tell them to do. So, oh, uh, good and, point. And and it, do they know what you need? A really good lawyer, <laughs> obviously they do, but sometimes yeah. they just uh, uh, execute what you ask them to do, and then you end up with the wrong. Um, financial structure or fundraising method or whatever it's called like uh actually we're 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 aligned on that point as well uh, again choose your counsel carefully and so so what happens is yes uh the west coast did invent the safe and it did come out of one of our accelerator incubators out here who will go unnamed <laughs> but everyone knows where yeah, it came exactly. from and it was it was designed to make things a lot more um streamlined for the entrepreneur taking away any of the legal constructs required to put a convertible note together, to put an equity financing together, to make it just easy to collect people's money. But there's no, but I don't think it's, there's no pressure on the entrepreneur to deliver because there's no interest rate. Uh, Some of them might not have even a cap. So you might sit on a safe for, for, for years and there's no pressure to convert. So and, uh, and since we're doing public good here by having a broadcast and a podcast, um, I don't consider safes to be safe for investors. It takes a lot of our governance structure, our conversion uh, prices and all these things that we want to have in place. And it does take away the pressure on the entrepreneur uh, to perform. And there's numerous stories uh, out there in the media about entrepreneurs who also end up stepping on their own toes because they end up raising safe after safe after safe and not realizing that they're actually damaging their own equity position in their own company. Yeah. And then they're, yeah, for the investors, the investors are not really on the cap table in a safe. They don't have voting rights. 
1202. We're going to be talking about all these concepts in future episodes, one at a time, but this, these mm -hmm. are the general, uh, the 1202 tax exemption yeah. um, does not apply to notes and safes. No, and it so doesn't. that's uh, um, for investors who don't know what the 1202 is. It is a tax exemption where if you hold shares for over five years, you don't pay certain types of taxes. Uh, please check with your accountant. <laughs> you mean you're not an we're, accountant? We're not an accountant. <laughs> we're not lawyers. We like we're not lawyers. We know how to right. work with good ones. All right, um, we do. And, and by the way, an announcement to any big law firm out there, if they want to sponsor our show, we'll give them a big plug. <laughs> we totally will. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. We're, 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 we can be bought. <laughs> Ziad, uh, maybe you could also touch on this a little bit because everything we've just talked about in terms of choosing mentors or choosing counsel or choosing accounting firms ties back to the entrepreneur's mindset and ties back to what you have said many times is part of your investment thesis, which is EQ. EQ. Maybe, maybe touch on that a little bit because my it favorite, really... My favorite please, two letters. Yeah, please say something right, about that. All right, here it is. Uh, here's the story. We were, my wife and I were reading uh, Cosmopolitan magazine and there is a test. There was a test. It's like measure your emotional intelligence. And you know how you have these, these tests. And then I realized that I have okay IQ. I'm not going to say what my IQ is, but I have <laughs> very strong EQ. And I thought, oh, what is EQ? So emotional intelligence is basically the ability to read others and to develop good relationships to make good decisions on people's character. And then so my whole investment thesis is based on the entrepreneur uh, because I believe that she or he are, are everything at an early stage. So I spend a lot of time with the entrepreneur to see if they are capable of doing what they're, what they're going to do. And then we will have a much longer time discussing the whole concept of the jockey or the horse um, and some people uh, debate the whole idea of do, how much due diligence you do. Do you do, um, like some of our friends on the West Coast, do you give full colonoscopies? <laughs> or, <laughs> or do you do light due diligence because you know that things will change? Um, and that's, that's uh, the whole due diligence debate at an early stage is a very interesting but emotional intelligence is definitely, definitely a big theme that's coming up also in not just in investing, in robotics, um, uh, how, how she can read your emotions and then you're happy, sad, depressed, what you need. Are you going to make a purchase decision and all, the, all of the above? So that's an exciting piece. So, so uh, relating this now to a team structure, Ziad, how does it how does it look when when you have a single entrepreneur running a company, a team of people running a company? How do you put all those pieces together? Because there's multiple personalities there. What is it that you look for? Well, the the the, the main key. Well, the four H's are. I, I need to give a plug to my friend Anmol, who I stole this from him, and now it's mine. <laughs> It's the, okay, the four good. H's. It's young. Here it goes. You need, if it's a single, uh, I mean, whoever is the leader, you know, there's one person 
who leads the charge, even if there are co-founders, there's, there's one person who is the CEO. And that person has to have, has to be humble. That's a huge criteria in my opinion. Has to be hungry, has to be honest, because at some point that's going to be key. Um, and the last one has to be hardworking. So when you look at these four H's and then you apply them to the entrepreneur and see whether they'll be persistent and you put them through many tests as you get to know them. There's a fantastic test called the lunch test. Basically, you go out to lunch with the founder. <laughs> That's easy. Yeah, and you see how they treat the wait staff, what they order to, to eat, <coughs> excuse me, and other things. So it's a... Uh, to, to realize will this person uh, uh, keep going until the business is successful because persistence. So tell me something. I'm sitting at lunch with you and I'm an entrepreneur and uh, I am going to order my own plate of food, but you're really more interested in family style. What does that tell you? Uh, well, family style, obviously, if, if, you're, if you want to share, it means you like to share. It means you like the some of those cultures that are all about food and hospitality. Um, uh, it's, it, tends, it tells you something. What's more important is not exactly what you order, is more how you deal with the overall lunch, how you deal with the wait staff. Because the problem we have as investors running funds, people are nice to us because they're trying to seek our approval and then have us have us invest correct so you want to know actually how would that person deal under pressure how do they really deal with co-workers with uh, uh, subordinates with how do they delegate so those are key if they're super nice to me but then they treat the wait staff really poorly that's a huge sum. Mm -hmm. good point uh, yeah and so on i mean there's all kinds of uh, uh, what do you lo like in an entrepreneur you know, I, I do. I do very similar things. I'm mostly quiet, um, and a lot of people know this about me. I'm usually quiet, although on this podcast I can't be. <laughs> Otherwise, there'd be too much silence. I'm. Uh, I'm much. I'm much more um, in tune with uh, listening, um, and sometimes the quiet creates an uncomfortable silence, which sometimes people have to fill. And I'm not doing anything on purpose. It's just my. It's just the way I am. I. I'm really more of a listener. And besides, that's why I'm meeting with someone for coffee or for lunch. So I'm, I'm in tune with uh, body language. I'm in tune with a lot of things that you just mentioned, whether they are humble or hungry or honest or hardworking. All those things are important. I have a very dear friend of mine who taught me a lot about angel investing. And one of the things that he does before he makes any investment, and he usually invests in biotech or pharma, is he'll actually camp he'll camp at the office of the entrepreneurs for about three months. And that's a long time. But remember, biotech pharma takes a long time. So before he writes any sizable check, he will spend three months yeah. camping with and them. And you need to, to see go see them. Match. I call it in their natural habitat. It's, right? it's in their office. Uh, are they, are they, how, how's their office? Are they, are they organized? Is their mm -hmm. office clean? Their coworkers? I mean, there are all kinds of factors. And also depending on what stage you're investing. So to go back to the whole safe, so we start early 
I mean, if it's one person, if it's two, two co-founders, um, and then we go through multiple rounds of funding, right? So different angels, it's a little bit like gambling where everybody has their philosophy. So, so what do you like? Is it, I invest once, I, then I let it sit. I invest once and then I keep following. Is there, is there a philosophy that is the right way or in your many years, there, is, there aren't? There are many ways. There are many ways. And it really depends on the comfort, the resources, financial and otherwise, of the individual investor. Uh, some people like to roll up their sleeves. I am certainly one of those people. So most of my portfolio companies know me as being very active in, in what they do. Some of them take me on as a formal advisor. Some of them take me on as a board member. Um, but I'm very active. So it really depends. Um, and, and I don't think there is really uh, a right answer or a wrong answer to, you know, invest once and follow or invest once and then invest again. I guess I the, the most difficult ways. investors are the ones that get involved and waste the entrepreneur's time. This is true. Saying, this where's is, my money? What's happening? When is the exit? Oh, what that, are you oh that, that is, yeah, that is certainly not the kind of investor <laughs> I am. But remember, healthcare, healthcare and life sciences is different than most of the other markets. Uh, it takes truly a lot of people to open doors and to make things happen. Uh, and most of the people that I know who are in this space are active in a positive, uh, constructive manner where we're all pushing, not pushing, we're all pulling forward in a manner that gets the company to their milestone. Because it's very uh, But hard, you're right. right? There, are, there, are, there are definitely hard, there are definitely bad stories out there about, you know, investors who get too meddlesome and too annoying and do not really add value. So Theranos, is it a West Coast story or an East Coast story? <laughs> Unfortunately, a West Coast story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is true. Uh, yeah, that's so that's an, another situation where um, shiny objects, investors who don't do their diligence following the lemmings um, and uh, and not paying attention to reality really hinders uh, both the company and the investors. It's a very tragic story. And I have to admit, for a good period of time, I actually put the CEO on a pedestal. I did talk about Theranos in a positive light. I did not know what was going on behind the scenes. I never invested. Um, but... Uh, but when I learned of the facts, um, it's, it's tragic and it's also fundamental because it goes back to what you and I started talking about, which is what are the principles of investing, angel investing? And how do you build out a company that will go from initial startup phase to investable by next round of investors? And a lot of it has to do with governance, Ziad. Uh, that's why we get involved with our companies. And, and, and also, you cannot predict i mean there will be failures no, there will be situations like serrano so building a portfolio is key for any uh, early stage vc or or individual angel investor because good things can happen to bad companies true. and bad things can happen to good companies very true and, very true and, so and there yeah there's an element stories. there are elements of you know you cannot 
definitely you cannot predict. Uh, I mean, if we all had a crystal ball and said everything that we do is going to be perfect, we'd all be billionaires. But there's that's why the portfolio effect is the right way so to do mean, it. We wouldn't is... be doing this podcast. We'd be doing something else, right? <laughs> this is definitely worthwhile doing. <laughs> so <laughs> we are we are definitely doing something worthwhile. Well, so the message is it, strong. It's, it's I think it's one of the the Asian investing industry is one of the most exciting industries ever because you're you're mingling, working with with entrepreneurs who are giving up careers, jobs, livelihoods yeah. Yeah. to try and and disrupt an industry or change the world or cure a disease. And it is right. quite exhilarating. It is. It is really very exhilarating. And it's a privilege. Honestly, it's a privilege to be in the mix of people who are trying to make the world a better place or create a better product, a better mousetrap, whatever the are, case may be. We have to admit publicly that we are blessed to be in Boston and San Francisco because those these are Absolutely. The, uh, Absolutely. the number one and Absolutely. number two ecosystems. <laughs> it's very true. It depends on who which, you talk which, to. Which <laughs> it's very true. Because a lot um, of other ecosystems are 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 struggling and the mistake they try to emulate these areas, but when you have universities like Stanford or, or Harvard, MIT and all the other right. universities, it took it took them four hundred years to get where they are. So it takes That's time. Very true. Yeah, I agree. And there's there's a number of factors that go into people have looked at Boston and Silicon Valley and compared a number of factors, you know, whether it's geography, history, universities, um, access to capital, um, access to intellectual property. There are number there are a number of overlaps between the areas. And actually, even if you look at geography and you look at our highway freeway systems, the our ability to move back and forth, our transportation systems, there are numerous similarities between the regions. Um, and again, you're right. There's no reason why other regions should try to copy. They should be what they are and do what they know and then bring the other pieces that may be missing or would add value into the equation. And, and then build it based on the local culture, if it's a different country, on the local ecosystem, uh, and and what what risk people are willing to take, um, in some outside the U.S., some people are risk averse. In the U.S., this whole country is built on taking risk, and uh, and it's it's part of the DNA. You, you just hey, when you jump when you jump on a ship, two hundred three hundred years ago, and you go across the oceans. Without, without much instrumentation or GPS or a cell phone, and you land on some shore and you have to figure out your way of settling in. Um, yeah, we're 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 a country of um, of immigrants yeah. and, 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 and everyone stories and it's uh, success. Uh, when you see yeah. people taking a chance on on launching a business and you feel yeah. the energy, it's uh, it's amazing. It's true. I mean, go back to your four H's, humble, hungry, honest, hardworking. The first, the first pilgrims that came here from the old country to the new country, all of them had the four H's. Yeah. And then the people who, who landed and then moved west uh, had, a, had an idea of something better than the East Coast, right? Yeah. They, I wonder they said, the they said why, why settle? 
why settle for the East Coast it's when you can go West Coast, right? I need to give credit every time, or that's it. Like I gave credit once. I think that's good. That's good. I think that's terrific. <laughs> that's yeah. Just, did you did you notice the did you notice the little jab I made there about East Coast West Coast? <laughs> yes, I did. Catch that. Okay, <laughs> just wanted to acknowledge it. And then also, we are going to include. We always have a good thought for our Canadian friends. Um, we do. And, uh, and is it and, is it true? Is it true? You've been asked to be a speaker at the next conference. Yes. Next week. Next week, I'm going That's to. Phenomenal. I'm going to NACO. Is, and, uh, is it true that there's going to be a Zid and Fizz podcast uh, possibly happening between Vancouver yes. and um, Calgary? I heard that Fuzz, the famous Fuzz. By the way, we don't talk too much about you because you are so famous that we, <laughs> everybody knows Fuzz. And, uh, oh, you're you're, you're going hilarious. To be in Vancouver, right? So I'm I am going to be in Vancouver. I'm going to be in Calgary. So we are going to do exactly. East Coast, West Coast. Well, not really. It's West Coast, more West Coast. West Coast, West Coast. West Coast, West Coast. West Coast. The Canadian will be loud. Will be loud enough that we will be loud enough, Ziad, that we can both hear each other, even if you're in Calgary, without even a cell phone or yeah. Well, we are loud. That's for sure. That's true. We will invite some some guests from from the Canadian conference to join us. Yeah, um, wonderful. And uh, I know some sneak previews on some future topics. There is an exciting topic, which is the, the love-hate relationship between angels and VCs. Um, yeah. uh, there is uh, all the technicalities of, of some investments. There is also, uh, we should discuss also some horror stories. And uh, the best deals are the ones you don't invest in, according to someone. <laughs> And those are the ones, those are the yeah. ones you miss. Um, <laughs> right. The, um, you know, you know, it's funny. We also we never talk about the ones that we didn't invest in that went belly up. So you know, th- there's there's always the blessings of investments that you didn't make. Yes, that's the famous uh, well, the Schadenfreude concept, which is which means rejoicing at other people's misery. So are you, are you actually happy that, well, that you did not invest and that they crashed and burned or you are sad for them that they crashed, but you're happy that you didn't invest? <laughs> Personally, I'm happy that I made the right decision if consciously I decided yeah. to pass. That's right. I agree with you. I think that's the, that's the right approach. Uh, I, I wish the best for all of my colleagues who are doing angel investing. I wish the best for all the entrepreneurs. I never, I honestly do not ever wish ill on anyone. And I'm happy for those who make successful investments. And, um, you know, and obviously I wish the same for myself. <laughs> and when it happens, uh, that's great. So do and you if, ever you're experience right, you're... FOMO? No, you know, I've, I've learned to not experience FOMO. Uh, I was starting off, I was worried about that. Um, but as I've uh, matured more in the space, <laughs> Are you saying I focus. I'm not mature? I, <laughs> no, not, no, I didn't say that. I meant for just personally me. I've, <laughs> I've learned not to look at other people's cups being half full or half empty. I'm really more focused on adding value, making a, a good decision based on the facts that I have. Um, and then trying to learn from things that I didn't pick up on uh, beforehand. Yeah, there's not a lot of experience. I mean, it is. However, it is 
as investors, there is a lot of psychology in investing where you, it's, if everybody's investing, can you absolutely. stay out because of a particular reason? And uh, that's right. That's and right. Then you, and by the way, I'm going to go back to your four H's one more time because there are two things that you said humble and honest. Um, hungry and hardworking also applies to angels. Um, the four H's apply to angels as well, because we've all been entrepreneurs at some point. But the humble and honest part of it uh, is something that I also am drawn to in terms of my own colleagues, people who are co-investing, people who want to add value to companies. Um, it's an important thing to know who you are doing business with who you are working with. And I think, Ziad, you and I connect on multiple levels, uh, but I think there's a sense of, uh, of humility and, and a degree of, of connection that we have that we can be honest with one another and drive towards a common goal, whether it's co-investing in something or talking about diligence or talking about investing or doing a podcast for that matter. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. The, the... It, being an investor puts you in a in a pseudo position of power because someone wants right. something from right. you, and a lot of people That's right. abuse that. And in fact, I think that the one the entrepreneur is the one that's uh, putting themselves out there, and they deserve and, a lot of respect. And and, and that is that is the I think that is the that's the humility that you have which is you recognize the fact that this is a pseudo pseudo power position only because of capital and access to other people's capital. So um, you're right. I, I think the entrepreneur is the center stage. And sometimes the roles are reversed where a, a very successful entrepreneur, some investors are begging them to let them invest. And, yeah. and now the, the roles are, are turned and everybody wants to yeah. invest in a, yeah. uh, the oversubscribed round. I mean, all you have to say That's is right. the round is oversubscribed and everybody's yeah. excited. <laughs> and then, it's true. I don't know if that, that, that means anything or who else is investing. That's the other question. But yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of that that goes around. But it, again, fundamentally, if you stick to your principles, if you stick to your investment thesis and you know what makes a good deal for you and how you feel comfortable at night knowing you wrote a check, you should stick with what works for you. I, I, I really do not feel that I need to be pulled by the tide of other people's enthusiasm. I'm happy for them. In fact, there have been numerous times in my life in the past year, especially where I've just been consumed with other matters in my life that I couldn't be deeply involved in diligence. And so I didn't invest. Um, but that's really, you have to stick with your gut. I may have, I may have lost a billion dollar opportunity, but, but again, I didn't have time to do my diligence. So I didn't invest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, each per it's all about discipline and it's all about yeah. um, also, it's nice to invest in parallel with like-minded people. And even if you right. don't share notes, but you know that you're, you're, uh, uh, you look at these the same way, and it happened to me multiple times, and, um, and I really like it. And you end up developing, uh, whether it's different two groups syndicating or, or people being sharing the cap table. Um, and I, I, have to, I have to say something right here, because I am actually taking notes as you're talking. 
Um, one this of the key reasons. <laughs> one of the key reasons that I also uh, agreed to be on this podcast with you was I knew it would give us an opportunity to talk about things uh, in a time frame and in a manner that brought out you know our philosophy and brought out the things that we've learned along the way. And so I am. I am learning as I speak with you. I am taking notes um, and I'm incorporating them into my own principles and trying to essentially elevate my own game. And I think that's what makes, makes uh, people excel in this business is, is doing that, is being open-minded, listening, finding like-minded people and truly having conversations, hopefully like the one that we're having right well, now. We're, we're learning. I, I oftentimes yeah. today I had a, I had lunch with a with a fellow investor and uh, and then we were talking that we learn all the time and then exactly. we learn about the startups about their industry about with our fellow investors uh, and then we continue we are continuously tweaking our strategies to make better and better decisions um, exactly and then also exactly. there is. It's it's very enjoyable to do do research on on a new topic and then uh, go back to old biology books for certain things. Um, exactly. I love it. I, 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 Ziad, we're 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 privileged. Ziad, can I entertain you and perhaps some of the listeners with two lines from my favorite poem? Oh, okay. This is the culture. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not going to read the whole poem. I just want to read two parts of it. Right. So it's from Marge. Marge Piercy, and the title of the poem is To Be of Use. So let me start with the first paragraph. Of use. The people, to be of use, Marge Piercy. The people I love the best jump into work head first without dallying in the shallows and swim off with sure strokes, almost out of sight. They seem to become natives of that element. The black, sleek heads of seals bouncing like half-submerged balls. I love people who harness themselves, an ox to a heavy cart, who pull like water buffalo with massive patience, who strain in the mud and the muck to move things forward, who do what has to be done again and again. Those are the first two lines. And to me, hold on uh, to hold be on, a, hold on. What? Uh, was that an applause? Sorry, sorry, applause. <laughs> Number one, it's a great poem. <laughs> Number two, the it, delivery is even better than the poem. Oh, thank you. I, I, Academy, Academy Award <laughs> yeah. definitely goes to Foz here. No, but, but, but the content of the poem to me speaks volumes about, you know, where, where you and I are talking about being in a privileged position to work with people who are hardworking and who are hungry and who are really trying to move forward with a, an agenda and achieve certain milestones. It's a truly privileged spot to be. Um, and, and I think the more that you can encapsulate those feelings, either through poetry or through art or through just expressing yourself, um, I think the better off you're gonna be in terms of uh, what, your, what your thesis is around this world. And the ability to rejoice at other people's success. That exactly. is key, where you're happy for somebody else. Even if that person is not, uh, you're not benefiting, you're happy for that person's success. That's, that's, that's true. That and, is hard. And, and this is, yeah, and this is just philosophical, but I think it's just so important 
not to lose sight of the fact that these are human beings with families. These are people who are working hard to achieve something. And this is not just your capital and your hard-earned money at work. Uh, this is truly about building a, um, a team approach to getting things done and being successful together. So um, I, I agree. And I think it is a fantastic way to end this first show. Yeah. And um, to thank you for that beautiful poem and to uh, look forward to the next one, which will possibly be from Canada. I, I look forward to it. Uh, it should be great. Excellent. All right. Excellent. All right. Bye, Faz. Bye now.